before we begin, there might be a couple of spots in here today that seem a little sort of janky and it jumps topics really quick. What's actually happening is I'm speaking to chat because uh, I record this live at twitch.tv slash chunkmcbeefchest. Uh, you're welcome to join and send your chat messages. But this is really the first time I've started answering questions while doing the podcast. And uh, it's clearly a skill I haven't mastered yet. So in the future... I will certainly read out what the chat says and then respond, not just respond to chat. Uh, I'm also thinking of doing sort of the main chunk and then doing that after. So there's actually, after the end song, there is a little bit more where I'm actually just responding directly to messages in chat. If you would like to send a question or comment, you can send it to speakpipe.com slash chunkmcbeefchest. That will give you an audio message. If you would like to send an email, you can send it at chunkmcbeefchest at gmail.com. And I appreciate any messages or comments because it gives me something to respond to and life is all about content now and nothing else on with the show so the bestel test for me, it was a very, it was like an eye-opener. Because it's not like, I just hadn't thought about it. And the Bechdel test, if you don't know what it is, I actually think it's pretty famous now. It was a test of whether your female characters have agency, is really all it is. So the test is very low bar. Do you have two female characters who speak to each other about something that is not a man? And that's it. If you achieve that, you've passed the Bechdel test. And I was, I realized, like, I watch a lot of action movies and stuff, and it's all very male-centric. It's all essentially misogynistic. And this made me realize, yeah, like, these guys don't write good women. And I was like, oh, could I write a good woman? And I thought, ah, you know what I would do? I would just write a normal person and call them a woman. I don't know woman problem. I should not even, like, speak on woman's issues, if I'm being honest. But... Basically, I'm stating my ignorance, so that's fair. So the Bechdel test I found really interesting because from that point on, when I do watch movies, it is in the back of my head. I do think about it. Do they have female characters? Do the female characters interact with each other? So not interacting with a man, and do they talk on something? And is that something not the male lead or the something to do with the men? Is it just dealing with a situation that is maybe important or unique to them? It's even broader than that. I'm actually making it more specific. And most movies fail, which is fascinating uh, to think about. Now, there was something that had come up when I was watching movies. And I was like, oh, these, I watch these certain movies and they feel very American to me. So what is it that makes them so American? What is the core issue that I'm finding that is the Americanness of this? And at first I thought, this comes from the cowboy tradition. And it's the noble outlaw. It's usually guys robbing banks or stealing things or committing crimes of some sort, but for a noble reason. And it sort of made sense, because this is sort of a very American idea. The cowboy, the outlaw, but who's a good person, who does bad things for good reasons. That's pretty much a timeless story. And I was thinking, it's almost, but not quite. So it's missing something. So why do I think it's... Because Canada has a similar cowboy tradition. We just don't have the sort of same rich mythology that grew out of it. 
why would these movies never happen in Canada? Why do they never take place in Canada? Why do they don't have European stories that are the same? And I realized we needed to come up with the C. McBee test. The C. McBee test is, if the story occurred in a country with nationalized health care, social health care, would the story occur? So that's the bar. That's the bar of the C. McBee test for movies is, would this story happen if you had health care in your country? So I made a short list of movies, ones that immediately, as soon as I realized this, it was like, would this movie happen or not? Uh, and then I contacted a friend of mine, Chris Roberts. He runs the I Saw It on Linden Street podcast. It's a solely movie-based podcast. He does sort of a summary of a film. He gives you some background and stuff on the actors. He tells you some stuff you didn't know. It's all the kind of uh, minutiae that I enjoy, so I really enjoyed that. We've done a couple collaborations together. It's a very good podcast. If you have the opportunity to listen to it, you should give it a shot. If you like movies and Honestly, if you're at the C. McBee podcast, you probably are into pop culture and stuff. I do talk about that a lot. And he rounded out my films with a couple that I either hadn't seen or hadn't thought about. So you're going to get some sort of Wikipedia summaries of a couple movies that I haven't seen. There's one in particular that's in a franchise that I do not care for. So I have not seen it. And I was not willing to go watch it just for this. But I'm hoping that this will bring healthcare to the forefront of the issue of film, because that is something that impacts people. People see stuff in movies and then they think about it a lot more than they would say a political issue. So I'm hoping to affect change in America by making you realize that your heroes almost don't need to be heroes sometimes. Maybe a little political change is all it would take. Uh, I am Canadian and I live in Japan now, so healthcare is something that I very much take for granted. So last year, if you were with uh, this or, or Veloza podcast or Ninja News Japan last year, you found a big gap when I just wasn't posting. I was actually in the hospital for a month. And the socialized healthcare in Japan, when I got out, I was in the hospital for, I believe it was actually 30 days, maybe even more. So one complete month in a hospital bed in Japan. And I paid about $1,000, maybe 1500 But then... My insurance kicked in and I got $3,000 back. So I actually, because I had nationalized health care and insurance, made a profit on being sick, which is insane. I had uh, insurance to cover my pay. The government, I think I got a 60% pay rate because it was, you know, it's not like I was just taking time off. Uh, I got health care. was primarily free. I got to ride in every machine in the hospital. I had like two MRIs and I had this thing. They put some like stuff that should have made me a superhero by now in me to, to heat me up. And it was like radioactive. Like, like everything. They did everything to me. It was amazing. Well, it was horrible at the time. But now in retrospect, I, I know, know all like all these machines and what they do. And I ended up getting money back from that experience, which isn't what I wanted. I would rather not be sick, but I mean, if you're going to look at the bright side of something, insurance plus healthcare means I make a profit on being sick versus in America where you get sick for a month, you lose your job, and now you have no money and you've paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So Americans, uh, this is primarily for you because this only happens in your country. Well, it's not only, but I think yours is the one we're going to talk about the most. So the marksman. 
2021 film starring Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson has taken the Steven Seagal route where he is now making some pretty low effort films. Uh, he plays a singular character of gruff old man. Which he does very well because I think he is a gruff old man, but now he just does an American accent all the time. On this one, he plays vaguely racist rough old man. So let me give you sort of a basic plot line and then some of the issues that I saw going forward. He's a, for, a former military man, so they don't get specific as to what branch or what he did, and he's going to lose his ranch. Ranch comes up more than once, so apparently uh, losing your ranch is still a big idea in America, despite I don't think there are that many ranches left. I think ranches are now like mega ranches and stuff, but that's it's a totally separate issue. We're not going to get into that. He's going to lose his ranch to the bank because he's fallen behind on mortgage payments as a result of his wife's death from cancer. Now, this is the one where it came into view for me. So I'd seen a bunch of movies and I had the feeling, but I hadn't pinned it down until this one because this one was so blatant. Uh, the Marksman, he, if he had, well, so, okay, let's get a couple points about the movie. I saw this movie, uh, and it was, again, me tracing the trajectory of Liam Neeson's career path in parallel to Steven Seagal, which Steven Seagal's has basically come to an end. I think he's going to squeeze out a few more movies a year, but he may be done. Liam Neeson is still a name. I think he's going down. He is in this movie racist, and he's driving along the border, and he's like a self-professed border patrol person. He's not actually a border patrol guard. And then there are these, there's a Mexican woman and her son uh, running away from the cartel, and they get under Trump's wall uh, fence, and then the mother gets shot, and he saves the son. And then he becomes unracist by the end of the movie. The cartel wants to get the kid because he has a big bag of their money. And the mother says, take the money and take my kid to some city across the country. If they had health care in this film, his wife still would have died from cancer because they just made it. It was a terminal illness. There was no, no, no stopping that. But he wouldn't have fallen behind on his mortgage payments because he wouldn't have lost all his money uh, to the bank. Maybe he even mortgaged his ranch to pay for the cancer treatments uh, if he lived in a country with socialized health care. He wouldn't have had to do that. He may would have had to pay some, but it wouldn't have been enough to break him and make him sell his ranch. Now, the fallout from that is he actually would probably still be racist. So I don't know if this is a plus or a minus on the, if we're going to keep a scoreboard of whether socialized health care is good or bad. He wouldn't lose his ranch. Plus. He would still be a racist towards the Mexicans trying to cross the border. Minus. Uh, but maybe he still would have tried to save the Mexican kid. Because if he, the, the driving along the border wouldn't, it's not would have stopped him. Because his wife dies, he's still going to entertain himself. Well, this is clearly what he does to entertain himself, is patrol the borders and take pot shots at people trying to you know get a better life for themselves in America. So... This was, to me, the typical example. This would be the one that, that set it off, that made me realize if this had, he had socialized health care, he wouldn't have had as many problems, he wouldn't have been losing his ranch, uh, but yes, he probably still would have remained racist. In the balance of the United States, that's not a huge change. Now, there's a Chris Pine movie from 2016 that I really enjoy called Hell or High Water, and it's two brothers that rob banks to pay for the mortgage on their ranch, uh 
to, because they have so many bills resulting from their mother's death, and this is in quotes, from a long illness. So here we have the ranches come back, the mortgage payments have come back, the long illnesses come back. So essentially what this is thematically, a long illness is going to drain the bank account of anyone in America to the point where they lose their ranch. Now I think we can transpose ranch into something else. Uh, that could be anything. It could be your house. It could be your, your apartment or whatever, something you own. But basically they're saying if someone in your family gets sick, you're going to lose everything unless you start committing crimes. So these two guys go and they start robbing banks. Uh, one brother's a little wild, so he doesn't really follow, the, follow the, the plan all the time, and that's what causes problems for them, and they get caught. If they had had socialized health care, this is in Texas, so this is going to be the least possible place for this to happen. I believe the, uh, the marksman happened in Arizona. It was a border, border country for sure. This is, I'm pretty sure this one was in Texas. The brothers wouldn't have lost their ranch. They wouldn't be at that risk. I don't know what they're ranching on their ranch or how they're making money otherwise. But the brothers would have remained incredibly rednecky, but they would also probably be nonviolent except for the beer cans they shoot it for fun. And since they have a ranch, shooting the beer cans for fun is actually perfectly acceptable. They're not hurting anyone else but themselves. Then we get to probably, on my list, maybe the most famous thing. Now, this is a TV show, not a movie, but we have Breaking Bad with Brian Cranston. It happened from 2008 to 2013. You've probably watched it. But this is about a chemistry teacher who is potentially going to lose everything because he has cancer. So he's not, he doesn't have a ranch, but they did make him a chemistry teacher, and chemistry teachers don't tend... Uh, to 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 have ranches. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if they'd put him in, uh, he was in Arizona as well as I think. Maybe Arizona and Texas is actually another element I didn't look into carefully enough. Again, this is probably why I had the cowboy feeling from before, because these guys all are from these states that I associate with cowboys. Uh, so as you know, Walter White begins to produce drugs. Uh, meth primarily to get money and he actually gets really good at crime uh, if breaking bad had happened in another country with nationalized health care socialized health care if walter white let's say breaking bad had happened in canada or in europe or let's say even where i am right now in japan walter white yes he probably would have died from cancer but he would have gotten treatment so his family wouldn't have lost their house their family wouldn't have had any more problems than they already have like again someone dying from cancer is tragic uh jesse i assume would have just od'd at some point because they were heavy into the drugs uh, but then jesse probably would have survived ODing because he had national health care as well so that's something to consider, is all the side parts that happen that could, again, a potential OD would have been offset by the fact that he wouldn't have to pay for it. And then there also would be programs in place for Jesse to get the help he needs to get off drugs. Okay, now we're getting into movies that are a little older. Uh, 2002, there's a movie called John Q with Denzel Washington. Now, the premise of this is a little different. There's no ranch involved and there's no cancer. But Denzel Washington's son, he falls down one day after a baseball game and they take him into the hospital. And in the hospital, they say they're going to need a $250,000 heart transplant and they need at least a $75,000 down payment 
for them to be able to actually do the heart transplant. But of course, in this situation, Denzel Washington does not have $75,000 as a down payment, never mind $250,000 to pay. So what he does is get desperate. He gets a gun and he takes over the uh, hospital emergency room. And then he holds them all hostage saying, you need to get my son on a donor list or I'm going to kill you. And then at the end of the film, I don't want to give, I guess it's 2002. I'm not really giving anything away. It's a 20 year old film. Uh, He ends up saying, I will give my own heart to my son so that he can survive. You just have to perform it. And then he gets sniped by a, a SWAT sniper. So if John Q lived in a country with social health, socialized health care, he wouldn't have had to pay. He would, Again, there might be a copay. There might be a little bit, but he would have had to pay something, but it wouldn't have been enough to break him. And that's kind of the core issue. He wouldn't have had to take over an emergency room and threaten to kill everyone in the emergency room to get his son a heart transplant. Maybe heart transplants aren't readily available. That is a separate issue. You don't actually blame that on the uh, system this is all about the insurance not willing to pay out to cover this, this child's um, possible heart transplant. I'm incredibly biased against America in these things, and to be, if I'm being really honest, because I have enjoyed Canadian healthcare. I've enjoyed Japanese healthcare to a great degree, and I found it very successful. I know about programs for drug addicts and stuff in uh, Europe, uh, rehabilitation and stuff. They are different, but... I can't speak on that because I don't actually know about it. So I'm going to stop there and just move on to my next movie because I don't know. I've had the arguments with Americans that American healthcare is somehow better. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I've been in the hospital so much, all my years doing judo. So when I was in university, I would say I went to the hospital at least four or five times a year for injuries. I never paid anything. As a student, I never paid anything. I could only continue to do judo because I could afford healthcare. And by afford, I mean I didn't have to pay anything. Like, so bad I still have a bill fear for going to the doctor. Ah, yeah, I've actually met that. A lot of Americans who live in Japan, when they get sick or hurt, will not go to the hospital and we're like, but you should go. It won't cost you anything. It might cost you a couple bucks. I broke a tooth. So, I mean, if you think dental work isn't even covered in Canada, this is a benefit of living in Japan. I broke a tooth in half. So like half a tooth came off because I got punched in the face in judo. And I almost was like, I shouldn't go to the dentist. But then I was like, well, it's worth paying for. Like, I don't have to pay any other medical bills. I'll pay this one. I went, I paid 5,000 yen, which is about 50 bucks. And that was only for the material. So I didn't pay the dentist. I didn't pay the hygienist. I didn't pay any of the people working on me. I only paid for the ceramic that they used to build my tooth. And that was it. 5,000 yen for something that would have cost thousands of dollars in Canada. I assume tens of thousands in America. Ah, uh, the best approach might be high. I don't, again, I, I only speak on it as a negative for the premise of this podcast. <laughs> if I give you too much credit, it might actually ruin the rest of this episode. So I'm not going to give America any leeway on this. I'm basing this on stories I've heard in the news, which you know are always the most dire cases. All right, so now we're in 1997. The, the drama uh, of Matt, Matt Damon stars as a young lawyer in a movie called Rainmaker, and he's actually an insurance lawyer. 
Oh, no, he's a lawyer taking on insurance companies. And the premise of this, he's basically a low-rent lawyer that takes on bad faith insurance cases. And the first one you really get, the, the main one they talk about is a 22-year-old who's dying of leukemia. And he could have been saved with a bone marrow transplant, but he was denied because it would have been too expensive for the insurance company. So basically, the insurance refused to pay out, so this boy died. With healthcare, there would have literally been no question. The insurance company, if you have insurance, would have to pay out, but you're already paying into national insurance, so you would have to get the transplant. There is no reason to deny it. And in fact, at that point, it's probably illegal to even consider. Now we get into the stretches a bit. This is uh, the ones that my friend uh, Chris Roberts helped me out with. Because I'd actually seen one of these movies. The next one we're going to talk about is Saw 6, starring Tobin Bell. It was in 2009. Now, I am not a fan of the Saw series, so I've actually... I've seen the first one. I know I've seen one or two other random ones, but I never cared for the torture porn aspect of it. Premise-wise, it's not bad. Uh, I don't think it deserved six films. I'm surprised they haven't gone to space yet. Uh, I really don't believe that this has any real staying power. I watched, oh no, no, I watched the one Spiral with Chris Rock, but I didn't watch it because it was a Saw movie. I watched it because I was like, wow, Chris Rock is the lead in a movie. I'm actually really interested in that. He is a very mediocre actor, but it's very interesting. He just plays Chris Rock, but he plays Chris Rock trying to not be that funny. Uh, And it still is kind of funny. Like he just, the way he speaks is inherently amusing. But Saw 6... This is when the premise of Saw started to get stretched because I remember the original one was like, I think you had to have done a bad thing for the, what's his name, Jigsaw, to bring you in to the situation and then like, oh, here's something bad about you. You have to overcome that to survive or die. And of course, most people die in a very grotesque way because that's the entertainment value of the film, which is why I didn't find it particularly entertaining because it didn't, the premise was weak to me. But here we've gotten to the sixth movie and they're like, ah, how do we kill more people like, and still justify it? Because this is the core issue of every one of these stories is they're trying to justify the hero doing the bad thing in some way. So we got uh, the marksman is just trying to help a kid. The hell or high water, they're just trying to save their ranch from the bank. Breaking Bad, he's just trying... At first, he's just trying to make sure his family has enough money to survive. John Q just wants to save his son. And Rainmaker, they're taking on corrupt uh, insurance companies. So here we have... The premise of Saw 6 is that a health insurance executive and his associates uh, turn down clients' claims, and that includes the titular Jigsaw. I guess he's not titular. He's the titular Saw commonly known as Jigsaw within the film. If so, And this is, again, where it stretches, because it's not just the executive who turned him down or his associates who turned him down. It's literally like you stamped a piece of paper that you were told to stamp by your boss, and therefore now you're ending up in this horrific situation. You uh, work in the office as a janitor, so you're somehow involved in this too. They've stretched the premise really far. Like the people who are being tortured... Even as an outsider, you're like, really, does the administrative assistant really have any responsibility in this? They literally are just typing up reports that they've been told to type up. So this is where the premise got pretty weak. I'm glad I didn't see it. Chris Roberts saw it. He said it was not good, but his wife likes it, so he's a good husband and watched it with her. I'm sure, in a way, that was torture enough. This was just another case of, 
if your insurance turns you down, you have no health care. So Jigsaw was going to die because someone else had the power to decide where it's not really fair. But the biggest crime here is that it brought more Saw movies into existence. We did not need six. I don't, I think there's seven or eight. I'm actually not sure. I should look it up, but I'm not going to. Jesus could not have interfered enough to stop more Saw movies being made. I'm sorry, if you feel differently, uh, you're wrong. The Saw movies are terrible. Uh, We don't need any more of those in the world. We have enough. The last one uh, is interesting. It's Repo Man from 2010. And this actually stars Jude Law. I remember I saw this, but it wasn't. It didn't have such a big impact on me. But this takes it to a new extreme. So in this world, uh, in 2025, so this is actually, this is like Terminator, uh, all the events in the Terminator film, like the future events actually happened like five years ago. We've gotten to this point now where films you probably saw when you were young, when they're talking about the future, they actually, that time is probably past. It's really interesting to go back through some of your favorite movies that are futuristic and see them go like, in 2020, because that was so far in the future, we had no idea what the world was going to be like. So in 2025, uh, America, very specifically, has perfected biomechanical organs. But these, because of capitalism, are sold on credit. So basically, I have a bad heart. I can get a biomechanical heart. It will work perfectly. But it has an expiration date where I have to either pay it off or return it. But of course, it's never cheap enough for me to pay it off. I always will have to return it at some point. And the underscore of the film is that it actually wants you to live long enough that everything breaks down so they replace as much as you as possible so they get all your money before you die. And the repo men, their job, Jude's Law's job, is to get, to go and basically kill you and get the uh, product back. A literal plot point of this film is people trying to escape America so that they can survive. And that is, to me, sort of uh, the summary of my whole point. They have made it so, I think at the end of this film, they're actually trying to get to Canada, a country where they don't have socialized healthcare, so they could probably maintain this and stuff. Or maybe they could turn off. I bet these, again, they include the science fiction concept of they have a chip where they can remotely just shut it off. So if you get to Canada, it won't work anymore, or something like that. This is sort of the extreme version where they've actually taken the concept of what I'm talking about, where capitalism overshadows healthcare to the point where it is completely legal for someone to kick in your door, shoot you in the face, and take the product back because the product is more important than the human life. After listening to this, when you watch a film in the future, this will, I hopefully, not ruin the movie for you. But when you watch, and again, this is going to be primarily American films, if it involves someone about to lose their ranch because someone in their family has cancer, you will have to have the thought now that if they lived in Canada or Europe or most countries in Asia, this film would just not occur. It just would not happen because you wouldn't be losing your ranch. Yes, you still might lose the family member and that is tragic, but at the end of the day, that's a reality. But at least in that case, you're not punished. And so you would lose the uh, cowboy doing bad things for a good purpose trope and therefore that hero goes away, which is too bad. I actually don't want that to happen. But because I like the hero doing really bad things for a noble reason, like 
The Professional, or I think, it, what was it called in America? No, no, it's The Professional America. It was called Leon Everywhere Else. Uh, that movie, like, he's a, he's a hitman. He's a killer, and he takes in a little kid, and he tries to help her. And then there's a Korean movie called uh, Nowhere Man or something like that. And he, it's the exact same plot point. There's a little girl he wants to save, and so he's he's like a former uh, version of the Korean CIA, and he's had a tough life. His wife has died and stuff, so he wants to save the little girl, and he does it by killing a whole bunch of like bad people. That strikes a chord with everybody, but I think maybe this trope, maybe the healthcare has beaten people down so much that they have to commit crimes, that actually is a significant criticism on the American healthcare system, and again... Every single one of these movies, so if I go through them really quick, The Marksman happened in America, Hell or High Water was in America, Breaking Bad's American, John Q's American, The Rainmaker's American, Saw is American, Repo Men is American. These movies could not happen in other countries because if you went out and committed these crimes for money, you'd be doing it for selfish reasons. You wouldn't be doing it to save someone else because that someone else would be taken care of by the healthcare system. I got a couple comments. Every time I say capitalism, I'm substituting corporation. Corporatism, that is fair. Uh, I, again, come from a socialist republic. Therefore, for me, capitalism is an inherently different system to what I understand. So a socialist republic has these social systems, but also as a democracy. Uh, some Americans would actually probably disagree with that. Uh, Japan is not a socialist republic, but it has a great social welfare system. It's clearly very important to the Japanese people. Korea has something similar. Uh, when I was in the UK, I never actually had to go to the hospital in the UK, but they do a very interesting thing where you leave the hospital. They literally give you money for the taxi to take you home. So you never have to worry about getting home from the hospital. Uh, that kind of stuff. So it is... In, and we're going to talk about the realities of healthcare. Uh... Americans who want to justify the system will say that they have freedom of choice, but the freedom of choice comes from insurance. But the thing is, uh, the insurance in other countries, so again, I'm going to use Canada as the example because it's the one I know. You pay your taxes and the insurance is included in those taxes. In America, you pay more taxes, but then you pay insurance. So that in itself to me is the argument, whereas if you adopted a proper nationalized healthcare system, like not a, like a real one, uh, you would be paying less than you are now because you would only be paying your taxes. In the future, when you watch a film, uh, please apply the Bechdel test. I, I think that is very much... Uh, it doesn't negatively impact the film, but it makes you aware of some of the issues. And please, you can now apply the C. McBee test of whether this movie would actually happen if it happened in a country with nationalized healthcare. Jim says, in America, though, vision, dental, and health are all separate. In Canada, uh, healthcare is one thing. Dental is separate. So you actually have to get insurance or pay for dental out of pocket. Uh, vision. So the way that the system in Canada, just so again, so I can explain it, is that if it's necessary, it's covered by healthcare. But they say uh, basically most of the time, 
procedures in your mouth are not necessary because if you can take care of your teeth, you won't have that problem or it's aesthetic. So anything aesthetic is not covered. Glasses are separate, but they're cheaper. So I think they're subsidized. And then Joe says 90% of the American problem is various corporate interest groups, insurance companies and hospitals restricting market access based on location. Yes. But again, in other countries, that would be illegal. The only reason those insurance companies exist is because of the system in place. And that system is designed to abuse the, con- the cons- customer. And that's actually the bit that's scary because it's the customer who gets screwed and, and you're paying for it, but you're paying for a product you may not get. And that's the bit that actually would upset me the most. If I was a capitalist and I said, I paid for this uh, insurance and then the insurance says, we refuse to pay out. I'm like, well then I should at least get all my money back. Like the bare minimum should be if you refuse me service, I should not have to pay you anymore. But again, American corporate systems won't allow for that. Well, you were paying for, you agreed in the contract. It's like, but yeah, I I, I could talk about it in shallow terms because I don't know enough. Have you seen the nervous system connected to your teeth? Yes, I I get the reality. I, when I came to, again, because I hesitated to get my, my tooth fixed, even though it was like half exposed. Uh, but then, Again, Japan has, in this instance, better health care than Canada, a country I'm very positive on. I've always thought Canada is very good in most of the things it does. It's not perfect by any means, but there you go. Japan beat Canada on dental work. I have had some crap, crap dentists, though, in Japan. There's a couple guys I will never go back to. Uh, but that might be for a different podcast on a different day. Well, I think the problem is you would have to go back historically to find out the actual cause of the system as it is now. Because it is corrupt, absolutely. But where did the corruption start? Did it start with the initial plan? Or did it start with, uh, like, was it was it intentional is kind of the question. Or did it just happen that way? Is it capitalism or corruption? Which came first? Is actually Because I, I think a lot of times the problem is capitalism uh, encourages corruption. Because the whole point, if you want to be successful in capitalism, you need to exploit loopholes. And... They, don't, they can't close loopholes fast enough to stop people abusing the capitalist system. The only thing I hate in Japan is once a week, every week for a month, the first simple cavity. Yes, that is dumb, and that is clearly to inflate how much the dentist makes. It doesn't hurt you, but it helps the dentist. So you, you get something done, and then you have to go home and come back the next week and get something else done, and they make you come back multiple times. And it is that is disgusting, because that is just uh, profit inflation uh, on the dentist's part. But as a patient... There's very little you can do about it. But I agree. I think that sucks. Yeah, I, I think we're out of my, my domain of knowledge. I, I don't want to say too much because I'm not sure. I'd have to actually go off and start reading. I think you have to go back historically because I bet stuff was set up. Like social welfare in America was set up with good intentions. It wasn't set up to try to abuse people. But then it did. And that's that's, again, people exploiting it. And then they tried to close those loopholes, but by that time it's too late and the uh, insurance companies are, are too big. I want you to cover the inside trading and current discussion on Congress trading within the states. Jesus Christ. This is supposed to be a light entertainment podcast. <laughs> I, I cannot get into inside trading. I can give you my opinion that politicians should not be allowed to profit. Uh, I think... <laughs> You're going to make this... I, I got to edit all this crap. Politicians 
the problem is politics attracts people who want power. Uh, the only way to stop that would be to take away their power in a weird way. And so I actually think politicians should have to quit their jobs. I, I think they should have to, again, the whole idea that they're not allowed to invest while they're in politics. Uh, I think that's actually a really good idea. Uh, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Thank you for joining and chatting. Because this is, this is you can see where I want to go. I want to do my podcast and kind of stop and then talk to chat about the topic. It's just I got I to gotta have confidence. I have way more confidence talking about movies than I do about American politics. But I think maybe the American politics is the bit that people would, would resonate more with people because they just understand it better. Or they, they have stronger opinions about it. It's hard to argue with hell or high water would not happen if they had proper health care. <laughs>